بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we thank and we praise Allah Azza wa Jal for allowing us together once again on the blessed day of Al-Jumu'ah, our weekly Eid, and the best day of the week, Alhamdulillah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Al-Jumu'atu ila al-Jumu'ah, kafaratun lima baynahuma, that from one Jumu'ah to the next, is an expiation of what's between them. Meaning as we gather from one week to the next week, our sins are wiped away from what, for whatever happened between those two weeks. And of course, this applies to our minor sins. So we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for granting us life and for granting us another opportunity to gather in His home and to come to His remembrance. Walhamdulillah. And we send salutations and peace and blessings upon His Messenger and our Imam, our Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Alhamdulillah. We've reached the end of another, another year. And no doubt, as Muslimun, our, call it New Year, starts in Muharram, and not necessarily in January. But it is the end of another academic year. This is the environment that we live in. And for many of us, we find ourselves on a bit of a break, on a holiday, our kids are on holiday from school, universities are closed, and many of the working folk as well are on break. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this. Our advice today, bi-idhnillah, will be four advices, four basic but important advices from the Quran and the Sunnah that inshaAllah we can all work on and all implement in our daily lives. And through this four advices, we will find a lot of benefit and a lot of islah, rectification by the will of Allah Azza wa Jal. The first advice, which we should try to put into practice as soon as possible, ending of this year of 2021, going into the new year of 2022, whether you are an elderly gentleman, whether you're a young boy, a youngster studying at school or at campus, this is practical advice, insha'Allah, that will assist each and every one of us. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said in a hadith, inna allaha kataba al-ihsana ala kulli shay. That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he prescribed ihsan in every single thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instructed us with ihsan in every single matter. So the question should be, what is ihsan? Because this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see from us in every single matter. In the famous hadith of Jibreel, where a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was sitting in the masjid, and he called him from the back of the masjid. 
And all people, all the Sahaba looked at this man and they said, this man is a stranger, we don't know him. And he had an extremely bright white thobe on. And he shouted, Ya Muhammad! And the people looked as if to say, who will shout like this to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? And they say that he had no effect of travel. Meaning his thobe wasn't dusty. It was as if he was from amongst them. Yet nobody knew this man. And he came right to the front of the mosque of the masjid and he sat against the Prophet with his knees against his knees. And he put his hands on the thighs of the Prophet as if leaning close to his face. And he said, tell me about Islam. And the Prophet informed him. The next question he said, and what is Iman? Tell me about Iman. And the Prophet ﷺ informed him of the six pillars of Iman and the five pillars of Islam. And the next question he said to him, And tell me about Ihsan. What is Ihsan? And this is where Rasulullah ﷺ, he said to him, And ta'bud Allah ka'annaka tarah. Fa'in lam takun tarah, fa'innahu yarak. That Ihsan is to worship Allah as if you can see Him. But if you cannot see Him, then you should know that He sees you. This is Ihsan. If we were to use one word in English, Ihsan is to strive for perfection. Ihsan is to strive for perfection in your worship. As if Allah sees you, as if you're seeing Allah. Imagine as you are standing in salah, you are standing in front of Allah and you are seeing Allah. How would you not pray? Would you be focused or would you still be thinking about the dunya? Would we still be distracted and thinking about our business or our children or our wives or sports or whichever other distraction? We will be fully focused on Allah. That is Ihsan. And a slightly lower level. If you cannot see Allah, and we know we cannot see Allah in this dunya, at least know that Allah sees you. Allah, He sees you. So pray and worship. Read the Quran. Fast your days. Give charity as if you can feel Allah is watching you. Give it in that way. Do it in that way. This is Ihsan. It's to strive for perfection. First and foremost, in matters of worship. So that when we stand in front of Allah, or when we are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we try to worship Him in the best possible way. In the best possible way. With full, con- with full focus and concentration. And sincerity. With ikhlas. And not being distracted and just fulfilling, fulfilling our rituals. Like it's a daily procedure. Like we get up in the morning, we use the, we relieve ourselves, we brush our teeth, we take a shower, you carry on. Worship shouldn't become like that. Something that's just by the way. You stand up, you make salah, and you carry on. But you did not gain closeness to Allah. You did not gain that khushu' and that fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from that worship. And this applies to all worship including recitation of the Qur'an and so forth. 
But Ihsan also goes beyond worship. This concept of Ihsan, it also goes beyond worship. It, as I said, it applies first and foremost to our ibadah. But it should go beyond that as well. That we as Muslimun, supposed to be the best in everything. We are supposed to be the top achievers in every field. And this is how it used to be in the golden days of Islam. The Muslimun were at the forefront of every field. Go back and read some history about mathematics. You will find there were Muslimun at the head of these fields. Medicine, you will find there were Muslimun at the head of these fields. And the same goes for all other fields. But today, we've fallen very far behind. We've fallen way behind. Wallahu musta'an. And that's because we've lost the concept of Ihsan. Where we no longer strive to be the best. We strive to pass. We strive to just achieve something. I got my certificate at the end of the day. I completed the job. The job's done. It wasn't as good as it could have been. But the job is done. Now, you should pay me. If we look today in reality, and how many times we've heard this, I will rather get a non-Muslim man to work in my house than a Muslim laborer. Because that Muslim man will take your money, he won't finish the job. This is not to criticize our brothers, but this is the reality of what's become the true the situation out there. It's become the situation where this is what the Muslim will say. I'll rather get another man to come who's not a Muslim, but I know you'll do the job properly. So what has happened to the Muslims? How have we lost our responsibility, our honor? This is what Ihsan is supposed to rectify. That when we do something, the hadith that we quoted said, Inna Allah katab al-ihsana ala kulli shay. That indeed Allah has prescribed and commanded ihsan in every single matter. So as a Muslim, we are supposed to strive for perfection in everything. In everything. You do a job, you try to do it to the best of your ability. You're studying something at school, do it to the best of your ability. Aim for the best. You're studying at university, do it to the best of your, be the top of the class. That's what the hadith says. If you're working in the labor industry, you're a plumber, you're a tiler. Whichever field, you're a builder. These are noble work, it's good work. Halal income, alhamdulillah. But strive to be the best builder. Do the best job. Don't do an acceptable job. Or a mediocre job. When the person will never recommend you again. Or never ask you to come back again. And that's because it's a reflection of your work. This is what the hadith is speaking against. The hadith is saying, strive to perfect your work in every single matter. So this is our first advice. Our first advice going forward into our break, into the new working year, is that we work on ourselves first and foremost and our families and our businesses and our work and we start striving for ihsan. If we strive for ihsan, for that perfection, 
to try to be the best in every single field, Wallahi, we will see so much barakah. You will see so much barakah. Allah will open up His doors for you. And Allah will bless you in every single way. Our second nasiha is that coupled with ihsan is that we strive to seek Islamic knowledge. That we strive to seek Islamic knowledge. That we make an effort in this dunya to achieve the best of inheritance, the best of provisions. The hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, he says that the anbiya ma taraka dinaran wa la dirhaman. They did not leave behind any dinar or dirham. Meaning they left behind no money. They didn't leave behind land or wealth or property for their heirs to, to, for their heirs to inherit. They left behind nothing. The heirs of the prophets, meaning their offspring, did not inherit from them anything of this world. But what did they leave behind? They left behind a legacy of knowledge. They left, the Prophet ﷺ left behind the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And that's why the Prophet then said, That the ulama of this ummah, the scholars of Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah, the scholars of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, they are the heirs of the Prophet. They are the heirs of the, the Prophets because they are the ones that are truly taking from their inheritance. In a narration, Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, Sahabi, he goes out into the marketplace and he says to the people, Woe unto you! The inheritance of the Prophet is being distributed in the masjid, and here you are competing for the dunya, buying, trading, etc., buzzing yourself with this. And so the people rushed off to the masjid. And they came back to him and they said, but nothing's being given out. There were some people sitting studying the Quran, some people sitting talking about fiqh and talaq and nikah, some people sitting speaking about this issue. There's nothing being distributed. And so he said to them, woe unto you, that is the inheritance of the Prophet. That is the inheritance of the Prophet that's being given out. And here you are only striving for the dunya. There is nothing that we can gain in this world that's better than knowledge of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And this is why we've all heard this dua, Rabbi Zidni Ilma. Waqur Rabbi Zidni Ilma. It's the ayah of the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, O Rasulullah, Qul, say, Rabbi Zidni Ilma. My Lord, increase me in knowledge. So Allah commanded the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to make this dua. And of course he made the dua. But what subtle benefit there is in this is that Allah never ever commanded the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to ask for an increase in anything except knowledge. He did not ask him or tell him to ask for an increase in wealth. He never told him, ask me for children, for offspring, ask me for property, 
Ask me for this, for status. Ask me for ease. Ask for this. He said, ask for knowledge. Rabbi zidni ilma. This was a command from Allah to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it was the only command where Allah told him to ask for an increase in something. Man salaka tariqan yaltamisu fihi ilman sahalallahu lahu bihi tariqan ilal jannah. Whomsoever treads a path seeking Islamic knowledge, then Allah will make his path because of that path of knowledge to Jannah easy. This is the way that we achieve Jannah. This is the way that the shortcut to paradise is to achieve Islamic knowledge. So let us, bi'idhnillah, make a sincere intention that from today onwards, Going into the new year, as we said, it's the working year. It's not our Islamic new year, but it's the working year, academic year. We will make time to seek Islamic knowledge. We will make time to attend a class, even if it's once a week. But to dedicate one hour from your week for this knowledge is the least that we can do. طَلَبَةُ الْعِلْمِ فَارِيضَةٌ عَلَى كُلِّ مُسْلِمٍ رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said seeking Islamic knowledge is an obligation upon every Muslim it's a fard it's a fard, it's not a sunnah it's not just something good and recommended it's obligatory we must make time to seek Islamic knowledge so if it's once a week at least then inshallah at least we've started somewhere at least we're upon that path of seeking knowledge we are upon the path of being a talibul ilm. Where in the malaika lower their wings for the student of knowledge. And they envelope him with that mercy. And Allah forgives their sins. The status of the ulama and the status of the student of knowledge is like no status in this dunya. They are the most honorable people in this dunya. Because that's what the Quran and the Sunnah tells us. يَرْفَعِ اللَّهُ Allah says that He raised and exalted the believers and the people of knowledge in darajat, in different ranks and levels. In fact, the Prophet said, This entire dunya is cursed. This dunya is cursed. And everything in it is cursed. Except for the remembrance of Allah. And the alim, the scholar, and the student. And the student. So if we are not ulama, we should strive to be a student. If we are not a student, we should hope to be a student. And try our best to be a student. Even if it means that we are a student once a week. Even if it means that we are a student one hour a week. But that's where we start. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Our third advice. Our third advice is along with our ihsan along with seeking knowledge we make extra time for the book of Allah Azza wa Jal we make extra time for the Quran for the Quran is the speech of Allah Azza wa Jal these are the words that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala our creator our provider our sustainer our protector our guide our assistant, these are the words that he spoke. 
These are the words that he left behind for us to follow and for us to study and for us to be connected with. These are the final words that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to send to this dunya for his creation to benefit from. Kitabun anzalnahu ilayka mubarakun liyadabbaru ayati. Allah he says, this is a book that we send down to you which is mubarak, it's blessed. Every part of the Quran from start to finish is mubarak, it's full of barakah and blessings. لِيَدَّبَّرُوا آيَاتِهِ So that they can benefit or they can reflect and ponder over its ayat. This is why Allah sent this book. A blessed book that for every harf that we read, we get a minimum of 10 rewards. Every letter. And the Prophet said, Alif, Lam, Mim is not a letter. Alif is a letter, Lam is a letter, Mim is a letter. For each one you get a minimum of 10 rewards. You recite the basmala alone, it's 19 letters, that's 190 rewards at minimum. You recite Surah Fatiha, you're in the thousands already. You recite the three quls, you're over the thousands. The reward of reading the Quran is like no other reward. It is afdalu dhikr. The best dhikr that you can ever do is to sit with the book of Allah Azza wa Jal. The most beneficial thing for your heart and your nafs and for each and every one of us in terms, in terms of our time is to sit with the book of Allah. A man complained to one of the Salaf and he said, I don't have enough time. I'm busy, my time is, there's no time to do this and no time to, to do that. And he said to him, sit with the book of Allah. Read the Quran. It will bring barakah in your time. It will bring blessings in your time. Each and every person, we have the same amount of time during the day and the night. It's 24 hours for each of us. And it's always been that way. It's never been, you know, in the early days, they had 48 hours in a day. For us, we have 24 hours. And that's why we have less time. That's why we have less time to do this and to do that. How did the scholars of the past do it? How did they write Hundreds of thousands of pages of books. And have children and fight in jihad and do this and do that and stand whole night in salah and fast during the day and teach and study and write. How did they do it? They have the same amount of time as us. The difference is the barakah that they had in their time. What they could achieve in a short period of, a period of time takes us weeks and months to achieve. What they could do in one day takes us weeks to, to do. And that's why they could do things that will take us a few lifetimes to do. They could do it in a short amount of time. It's because of the blessings that they had in their time. The more we sit with Allah's book, the more barakah we'll find in our time. We can never, ever, ever say, I didn't have time to read the Quran. If you make time for the Quran, Allah will give you time for other things. If you make time for the book of Allah, you will find time for other things. You will find risk will come your way. You will find your, bless, your, your business opens up. You will find things that were difficult becomes easy. And all of a sudden a task that was impossible became easy. 
Because Allah is in control. Allah is in charge. When we make time for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His remembrance, His, his ibadah, and especially reading His book and reflecting over His kalam, we will find barakah in our time. We will find so much blessings in this. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Our final advice is to fix up our salah. Is to fix up our, the condition of our salah. Alhamdulillah, we are in the masajid. Alhamdulillah, we pray five times a day. But each and every one of us, there's always that room to improve on the condition of our salah. If we are falling short in any way, let us try and fix up our salah. Because salah is the main pillar of this religion of our shah- after our shahada. Salah is our connection with Allah Azza wa Jal, and there's no connection that's more important than that. The status of salah <coughs> is of utmost importance. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was on his deathbed, <coughs> he was about to depart from this dunya. He's on his last, the final nasiha, the last advice for this ummah was as-salah, as-salah. He's on his end and he says, as-salah, as-salah, wa ma malakat aymanukum. Your salah, your salah, and what your right hand possesses. Your salah, your salah, and what your right hand possesses. This is the last nasiha that he left for this ummah before he passed away. And it will be the first thing that will be questioned about on the day of Qiyamah. The first question on the day of Qiyamah for every slave as he stands in front of Allah will be about the salah. Was he a man who prayed? Did he pray regularly? What was the condition of his salah? Did he make salah with khushu' with concentration and focus and humility and sincerity? Did he pray on time? Did he pray in a rushed manner? Did he pray slowly? Did he pray according to the sunnah? Etc. These will be the questions that will be the first question asked about us on the day of Qiyamah. So we need to rectify the condition of our salah. Man alayha kanat lahu nuran wa burhanan wa najatan yawm al-qiyamah. In a hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whoever looks, he said, whoever looks after his salah, he preserves his salah, he takes care of his salah, then that salah will be a nur for him. It will be a proof and evidence for him. And it will be a savior for him on the day of Qiyamah. That salah will be our savior. It will be a special light and it will be a proof for our iman on the day of Qiyamah. And then he said, the one who doesn't take care of his salah, it will not be a nur. No an evidence, no a savior for him. وَيَأْتِي يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ مَعَ قَارُونَ وَفِرْعَوْنَ وَهَامَانَ وَأُبَيْءِ بِنْ خَلَفٍ And he said, this person will come on the day of Qiyamah with Qarun, Fir'aun and Haman, and Ubay bin Khalaf. Four of the worst tyrants that walk this earth. The person who doesn't pray, the person who neglects his salah, will come on the day of Qiyamah were these type of people, Wallahu al-Musta'an. So our fourth nasiha 
And my time has come to an end is to rectify our connection with Allah Azza wa Jal specifically with regards to our salah. Our salah will never be perfect. But our first advice was to work on perfection. It's to strive for perfection. It's to strive for ihsan. To make it as perfect as, be, as possible. At the end of each prayer, each fard, what's the first thing that we say? After we do the taslim, the first thing we say is, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. We ask Allah's forgiveness three times. Why is this the case? What's the hikmah in this? It's because the reality is we never prayed perfectly. We never prayed the way we're supposed to pray. So the first thing we're supposed to say is, Oh Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, forgive me. Because my main obligation, I couldn't do perfectly. I couldn't do it the way I'm supposed to do it. So the hikmah in saying istighfar three times after salah is, Ya Allah, the salah that I just performed wasn't that good. But forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But this doesn't mean that we neglect working on the perfection of our salah. So the four advices that we left or that we gave for myself first and foremost and for all of the, for those listening is number one, we work on ihsan. We work on perfecting ourselves, on perfecting our ibadah and perfecting every part of our life. Whether it's raising your children, whether it's your schooling, whether it's your work, you strive to be the best and the top achiever. Secondly, we said, we are going to make time to seek knowledge of the deen of Allah. Even if it means once a week, but we spend some time trying to increase our knowledge of the Quran and the Sunnah. Thirdly, we said, we are going to make special time every single day to read the book of Allah, to reflect even if it's one ayah, to read the translation even if it's one ayah. You know, our sheikh in Medina, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Al-Abbad, he is the muhaddith of Medina. The sheikh is close to 90 years old. He's a specialist in hadith. He's been teaching hadith in the haram for almost 50 years. The Islamic University of Medina, he was the first teacher elected to teach there. The first person that taught in the university that was hired was the sheikh. The sheikh is now very well known. All students of knowledge, he's got many books. He's, as I said, been teaching for, for, for decades. I read something recently about the sheikh that was amazing to me. And he said, people speak about memorizing the Quran at a, at, a, at a latter stage in your life. You know, latter stage in our lives. He said, I am of those who memorized the Quran when I was far over the age of 50 years old. Far over the age of 50 years old. Naturally, you would think this sheikh must have memorized the Quran when he was not even a teenager. Because that's usually the norm. You know, the scholars, they memorize the Quran and they do this. The sheikh, from the most famous and biggest of mashaykh in the world, he said, I memorized the Quran when I was close to 60 years old. Subhanallah. Yet, look at the status of the sheikh. The point for us is, it's never too late. If we start today with one verse, two verses... Give yourself 10 years from where you are today, you'll know half the Qur'an. Give yourself today 20 years, you'll know inshallah the whole Qur'an. And that's what seeking knowledge is all about. It's one thing at a time, small things at a time. Alhamdulillah. And our final advice was of course, to rectify our affair with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
in regards to our salah. If we can rectify these four things on an individual basis, as families, as communities, we will see a lot of khair will come back to this ummah. We will see the strength and the honor will come back to this ummah. Bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Aqulu hadha al-qawl wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka.